Welcome back to Guide Books. Today we are going back to Australia, this time to a small town called Kiama. Here we'll step into Bukinist Bookstore Cafe, founded in 2017 by Clay and Hannah, two Kiama locals with a background in writing, publishing, retail, hospitality, and one of them a former DJ. That's Clay, my guest today. When you enter the store, you'll see a disco ball, and that gives you an idea of the space you've just stepped into. This is not a quiet bookstore, but rather a welcoming, a little loud, a little funky place where you can go in for a chat, a coffee, a glass of wine, and of course, books. Now, the space has actually a very nice history, too, because back in 1983, Clay's parents first leased the space where the bookstore is now for their optical business. So he actually grew up playing on the shop floor. This is a small space, and that means you'll find highly curated bookshelves. You're also likely to come in and find yourself in the middle of a book event of some sort, maybe a party, or accidentally join the Bukinis Monthly Book Club. If you're in Kiama, make sure you stop by. I definitely will. I already promised Clay, and I said I'll, uh, I'll bring my daughter too. So if you happen to be in the neighborhood, stop by, say hello, and make sure you tell them you heard about the Mongat books. Now, before we listen to my conversation with today's bookseller, I did want to let you know that I'm working on a book recommendation project so that every other week I can bring you a new book, either a personal favorite of mine or one that God Books guests have recommended here on the podcast. So stay tuned for this. I'll announce it on our social media. Once it's ready, it's unfortunately not yet ready, but I'm working on it, I promise. And hopefully by the next episode, it will be ready. All right, now back to my chat with Clay. Enjoy. Hi, Clay. Welcome to God Books. Thanks so much for, for saying yes to this invitation. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> we'll start today, as we usually do, with a virtual tour of your bookstore. And maybe while we're there, you can also tell me how you pronounce the name of your bookstore as well. Sure. I mean, we call it Book and East. Um, I might be pronouncing that wrong. I, I'm not sure. I, some French people might tell me that's incorrect. Okay, um, but it, you know, it is French, uh, yeah? It's a French... Yes, it, it is French. It's named after the French Bucanese along the River Seine, um, where we sort of brought back a lot of the little trinkets and antiquarian books that line the shelves, even though we are a new bookstore. But yeah, that was what we were really quite fascinated by. And yeah, look, I mean, over the years now, this is our sixth year, but I've heard it called Every Which Way Under the Sun, so... Um, we've got some real favorites that people have quoted. My favorite was Book Quest that oh, someone called. Um, yeah, and I thought that was really, really cool. So um, I don't mind how people say it because we probably often pronounce it ourselves wrong. But anyways, um, so we are located in uh, Australia in a town called Kayama, which is about two hours south of Sydney. It's a beautiful little town um, that we grew up in. It was recently actually voted as Australia's most livable town, uh, was surrounded by seven beaches. It's just absolutely gorgeous here. Um, and obviously in the holiday season, uh, the population jacks quite heavily as well. And we had a huge influx of um, people move to town during COVID and post-COVID now as well, which has really changed the landscape since being a kid and growing up here as well. But our bookstore is, it's literally tiny. It's a bookstore cafe wine bar. It's probably only about, I'd say, eight meters squared. You can see the entire store if you're standing outside because our front is sort of all glass. 
Um, it's got these five folding windows and that we actually put in. And if you look straight into the store, you, you'll look straight ahead at like a wall of books um, with a ladder that runs along um, and it sort of curves around the store as well. Um, and then if you walk inside on the left-hand side is a counter, a sort of a, a custom fancy coffee machine that we had all custom colored in white and gold and wood grain, a sort of a centerpiece of the store. Um, and that runs all the way along the left-hand side. And then on the opposite side of that, where I'm sitting now, is it's a, sort of like a leather Chesterfield uh, lounge that runs all the way along. And we've got this wall behind us. that sort of like becomes sort of part of our, I guess, sort of our image, um, which is a, a sort of Tropicana wallpaper covered with celebrities reading in photos like along it as well. So people sort of sit around here and lots of people take photos and Instagram. It's a good background for for a Zoom call, I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, it looks kind of cool. And that was actually the very first thing that we bought for the store. We saw the wallpaper and we thought, you know what, let's just build a store around the wallpaper. Um, And so that's, yeah, that's pretty much our store in a nutshell. It's pretty small and you can see it all like just from outside. Yeah. So it started, I guess you say it started with the wallpaper, but I guess that's just the decoration piece of it. But how how did it all start? What's the story? How did... Uh, you and your team, and maybe you can tell me who is in your team. How did you guys get together and say, you know what we should do? We should start a bookstore. And then how did that become reality? So the story is uh, was started and owned by my ex-partner and I, um, Hannah. Hannah worked for HarperCollins now, um, but she still owns a store with me as well. So this is going back about six years or maybe a little bit longer now. And it was just sort of something that as I think you do as well, and that we we talked about a hypothetical bookstore for a long time. I always wanted to be a writer, and I, like I do write, so that was for me what obviously the basis. Loving bookstores and loving books. And Hannah was studying publishing at the time as well, and was just finishing publishing. And she had worked in cafes and in hospitality for many years as well. I hadn't actually worked in hospitality before, and. So we just spoke about it hypothetically for a really long time. And then I, I think we got to a point where we would both kind of finish studying and the cafe that um, Hannah was working at in town, it ended up selling at a particular time that uh, we were really kind of seriously thinking about it. And so at the time then it was her manager, who is now like one of our close friends, they sort of had said, you know, like, yeah, if we do this at this point, like they were both going to come over and, and, you know, just work on this idea of starting a cafe bookstore. And it also came up at a time where it's a really strange scenario that um, the store that we actually operate in is as the store that I actually grew up in as a child. So my family in town, uh, my mother is an optometrist and they own an optical business. And when I was born, my father decided to come over and work with my mother and to set up a, a practice in Kaima in this town. And they, they actually set up in the store that is next door to where I am now. And the store that we're in was like a storeroom. It wasn't actually open to the public. Um, it was sort of a store workroom. And so as a child, um, I grew up on this literal, like I literally grew up on the floor of this <laughs> shop. And, you know, if you tell me when I was a kid that one day I'd be still in this store, I would be, you know, absolutely mind blown. But maybe they went back <laughs> the same floor. Yeah. So maybe going back about 10 years ago or so, 
my family moved stores and, and they're still close by or my, my mom, my father's passed away, sadly. But um, my mom's moved stores and this store had just come up for rent. And we just thought, you know what, like it's tucked off the main street. The rent was cheap. And we just kind of thought that might be a good spot to set mm-hmm. up this little store. And then there would be no rent pressures for us or anything like that. And it might allow us to kind of like do what we wanted to do, but we just knew it was going to be a hell of a lot of work that needed to be done to this store to make it tenable. And so when the store came up for rent and all these sort of things fell into place, we weren't studying at the time and the other cafe sold. And so we just thought, you know what, if we're ever going to do it, this is the time to do it. And so we took the lease and we started planning this bookstore cafe. And the strange thing was that neither of us had any idea how to run a bookstore. We'd never worked in books. We didn't know anyone. We didn't have any money. And uh, we were literally just working and putting all our funds towards, you know, building the store. Luckily, a lot of friends helped out at the time as well. And we were just buying boxes and boxes of books, um, just like cash on delivery, like from the supplies. We didn't have accounts yet. And they were literally in my garage. There was like a thousand books just stacked up in my garage. Every time we had, you know, a spare couple hundred dollars, we'd order some more books and just stack them up until the one day when we were kind of ready to open. And then we just opened the doors and just prayed people would come. This is such a great story. It makes me feel like it can be done, you know, because as we were chatting before we we started the recording, like I've been thinking about this, um, yeah, this future bookshop for such a long time. And I, you know how it is when you think about doing something that definitely out of your comfort zone and you think, I've never worked in books before. I've never actually run my own business. And it's just nice to hear stories that worked out that started off maybe in a, in a similar way. How did you pick the books, um, these boxes and boxes of books that you were picking for your store? Or was your book curation process to begin with? I mean, we were very in tune with books all, all along, obviously. We've been readers mm-hmm. forever and through writing and Hannah in publishing, we, you know, we had a lot of friends in the book industry and like book bloggers and so forth. And, and we always knew, like, I mean, we'd been big readers our whole lives and we always thought, it, what's the best way to curate, you know, a small selection of books yeah. than to just sell the books that you absolutely love to people. And so that's what we did. You know, we, we chose the books that we knew that, you know, it didn't matter if it moved or not because we would always have them and always sell them. And we had this idea in the beginning that all the book covers would face outwards. Mm-hmm. We have, it's like they're sort of black bookshelves. So like all the covers really pop. But obviously as the, as the years went on and we have more and more titles, we can't always um, have them facing forward. But still the predominant amount of books face forward. But it's funny if I look at photos of when we opened it, how, how sparse the shelves look. It's so strange to think. I wouldn't say it was the best method of doing it. Um, I think what you're doing is much smarter in terms of really doing your research and everything. But I think there's a certain degree also of instinct and, you know, just jumping in and then just being forced to make it work. It makes it work. Yeah, I was asking because if you, if you do a bit of research, a theoretical research on this topic, you see a lot of advice such as focus on a niche, especially if your bookshop is going to be small, make sure you have a niche. Like let's say you, you sell children's books only or I don't know, or a specific genre or, or books by women or whatever it may be so that you have this focus because your space is anyway going to be small. And I can see the logic in that. But at the same time, I think, uh, but, you know, there are many books that I love that don't necessarily fit into one specific category. And isn't it better to personalize the bookshop in that way by making sure that 
you know, you love or at least know about the books that you're selling, but you don't necessarily niche yourself or put yourself into a corner. That's why I was, I was curious to know how you guys did it, especially in a, in a small space. And I also wanted to ask you if the idea of having like a cafe and, and wine and music in your shop, was that there from the start? Did you imagine it exactly as it is now or did you kind of add things to it as you went along? No, we, we, we saw it in the beginning from, um, so that's the one thing that obviously we had thought about how we were going to make this store. And, um, obviously the, the coffee part was a big part of our store. Like we knew that subsidizing book sales in, in any way is, is going to work for us. And we knew that the books would be a real draw card and something different that really brought people into the store as well. Someone once described the shop as a honey trap, which I think was the greatest thing, you know, that they come in for the coffee or something, but then, you know, there's vinyl on the wall and there's books to buy as well. And they, you know, they're spread all around the counter and, you know, they might see an advertisement for an event that we might be planning here for the night or, or an author event that we've got coming up and they'll want to come to that too. So they, you know, they, they walk in to maybe like just get a coffee in the morning or even just have a quick look for a book and end up with more than they intended on coming in for. <laughs> That's really good. That's a great description. You should now rename your bookshop and call it the Honey Trap. <laughs> honey Trap. Let's start. So I did see as I was checking a bit what you guys do, and I was looking at your Instagram account, for example, and I saw that you do a lot of events. And I also had the feeling that your store looks quite different than most bookstores that uh, I've seen so far, or the bookstores that I'm familiar with in Europe, for example, because it feels much more kind of fresh and, and alive in a different way than other bookshops might. But, you know, if we think about a traditional bookshop, it has this air of like, you walk in and it's quiet and the books are there and maybe it smells a bit like old books. I didn't get that vibe at all from, from your yeah. Instagram feed, at least. So maybe you can tell me a bit how it feels. Uh, is there music? What kind of events do you have? Sure. And I, I know exactly what you mean because you know, I, I mean, I, for one, you know, we, I mean, we go to bookstores all around the world and, and I love the, you know, all the different types of bookstores, the, you know, the quiet bookstores and, the, you know, the ones that are bustling and all the different you know, feels for what we were aiming for. Um, I mean, I, I hate, I hate quiet. I, I mean, it's a strange thing to say as a writer as well. I mean, I, I was a club DJ before this, so I hate quiet. I like noise. I like chaos. I write in chaos. Um, I operate in chaos. It's practically my middle name. Um, I don't have another gear. And so I like it when people walk in and, you know, there's, and we, we have turntables in the store as well. And there's always like either, it's usually either 50s and 60s rock and roll or sort of like 80s boogie, like funk playing in the store, which is also what we do in our night events. Um, so it's branded very much in that manner that you're going to walk in and you're not going to hear the radio playing or, you know, or it's not going to be sort of a quiet jazz scenario. It's going to be kind of like a fairly chaotic environment. I mean, if you, there are times when you can come in as well and it's going to be quieter. So if you come in after the morning rush and if it's, you know, mid-afternoon when people are at work or, or kids are at school or anything like that, you'll have a much more quiet environment sometimes, um, but you just never know what you're going to get. So we like the idea that it's like that and that necessarily people who sort of, yeah, say they're coming in for just a coffee in the morning, they might not be a person who will necessarily go into a bookstore, but they might see a book on the counter that, you know, has been mentioned a lot of times or it's been in the media or it's been on social media. 
and they'll think, hey, I really, you know, my friends have read that and I really would like to get involved with that, but I don't read a lot or something like that manner. And they'll feel comfortable to buy it from us. And not only that, we'll have conversations with them like over the course of maybe the next two weeks or something as they come in to get their coffee, say, you know, they'll tell us what they're up to and how they're going with the reading or, and they don't feel like any sort of pressure about that, or they don't feel pressure asking us if this is something worth reading or, or anything like that as well. So we do operate a little bit differently than your regular bookshop. And like in town, we also have like a main bookstore that has sort of like everything, an all title sort of bookstore. And so we have a, a, a very different model that, you know, it's a, it's a highly curated section. People kind of trust what we're doing. And um, yeah, we do a lot of other things that bolster that as well. We do a lot of author events and we'll have our author events in, in bars or in different locations around town. Um, we have book club. Actually, we have three chapters of book club. Yeah, we have lots of like just little things. We just try and make the space and the branding of our name as best we can because we have such little space. And, um, and you have to, you know, in, in this book selling world, you have to do whatever, whatever you can to have a point of difference. Yeah, definitely. You have to try different things. But I, I love how you described it because I imagine a place that's friendly and it's easy to go in and ask a question, have a coffee without feeling intimidated. I, I have a few memories of bookshops I've walked into where I did feel was slightly intimidating because it was maybe so quiet and the bookseller is kind of just you know, overseeing everything and you feel like, oh, everything is so neat and I need to be, you know, I need to almost become this very cultured person all of a sudden and, and that knows everything about books because that's the atmosphere here. And even if you are into books and you know what you like, even then it can feel like an intimidating thing. So I like the idea of bookshops that are more open to people where you can find a bookseller that's relatable, that you can go and ask questions. Does that mean that the books that you sell are also kind of matching this atmosphere? Would you go for the more contemporary fiction that people would have heard about because publishers are promoting certain books more than others? Or would you also look at classics, books from your childhood that you loved? What kind of books would, would we find in your shop? Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely have a, a real mix. So, I mean, we definitely have, you know, the kids' books and the stuff from our childhood that we love. We have a classic section and we've got, we have walls of, you know, Penguin classics. We also have the big titles, like, um, and that would take prominent space in the bookshop. Like, we don't necessarily think, let's just try and find something super obscure that you're not going to find it at the department stores and so forth. Even though we can't compete with price in any manner of that, we offer an experience that you can come in and throw the titles around the wall. Like, well, I mean, the titles that, you know, the book bloggers and stuff are blogging about, they're going to be, they're going to be on the wall. And that also gives people the trust in you that you can sell other stuff if there's something, for example, that you, you know, you really do want to sell. We do have a focus on like contemporary Australian fiction. I think any bookstore would in Australia. And we also have all the, like the classics that we love as readers and booksellers that we always make sure we have lots of copies of that we can always sell to people that, you know, might be trying to get into reading or want a particular type of book and they'll say, Clay or, or anyone like, what did you love reading? And the book's there, so we can just grab it straight off the shelf and say, you know, this is, you know, The Shadow of the Wind or this is The Secret History, those books that, you know, we've, we've loved along the way and we just want to push on everyone that walks in the door if they'll let us. I think that's great having that mix. There's, um, as you were talking, I was thinking of a bookshop in, in Madrid that um, they were actually on the podcast at the very beginning of this podcast, so years ago now. Um, they're called Desperate Literature and they do that too. I think they have a very nice mix of books they love that could be 
from you know 20 years ago, but also they make sure to have the books that are popular at the moment that they also love. So not necessarily every single popular book, but the ones that, that they also kind of feel comfortable recommending. And I really like that idea because then you really feel like it's a it's curated space without forcing the curation in a particular direction, without saying we're only curating from the 60s to the 80s. How many books are in your shop? I think it's about 1,200. What was the last book you sold in your shop? I actually think it was a Mr. Men book, or, or it could have been uh, Book Binders of Jericho by Pip Williams, which is a big title. If you couldn't sell books anymore, what would you do? I would certainly just be a writer or go back to just being a DJ as well. A writing DJ. <laughs> yeah. I've got nothing else. <laughs> That's fine. There's plenty. <laughs> um, what book are you reading at the moment? Uh, I'm currently reading one of the Michael uh, Robotham novels, the Joe Lachlan series. Um, I didn't read it in order and we're doing an event with Michael in a couple of weeks. Um, so I'm reading, I think it's number seven um, of the Joe Lachlan series. And finally, what's your second favourite bookshop? In Australia, it would be Gertrude and Alice, um, Jane. I interviewed them. I know you did, yeah, and they are just most amazing people. Also, um, Dimmick's in Sydney, Dimmick's George Street, in the most beautiful building uh, with the most incredible crew out there as well. Like, there's passionate booksellers, um, John and Josh, Sue and Tim, like, they're, they're amazing. And then maybe internationally, I'd say, like, Shakespeare and Co. or Wells in London, just, like, absolutely beautiful bookstores. I want to go back a bit to what it felt like for you to open this bookshop and make it work and successfully bring it now to its sixth year, which is quite quite exciting. Because as I've been uh, talking to booksellers on Got Books for, for a while now, most of them tell me how hard it is to run a bookshop, right? Because the profit margin is so small on books. And maybe you can remind me of this, actually, if in Australia the book price is protected or not, or if major booksellers can have like huge discounts and then that throws you up. And basically what I want to talk about is the realities of running a bookshop. I think it's important to bring that up. I think people listening to us sometimes might have a romantic idea of bookshops as kind of institutions that will never go away. And I think it's important to talk about, well, they actually have to make money to, to stay in business and how that whole world works. So if you could go back in time six years ago when you opened the bookshop, what was that process like? What was the most challenging part? Where did you think, oh, this is going to be a problem? And how did you overcome those moments? Oh, man. You are completely correct in, in terms of I'm, there, there are so many. There are so many. Anyone just in any small business, not even book selling, I think, will, will tell you. And also in the times that we've been in, I mean, let mm. alone COVID as well. But um, I also... Uh, so I, I lost my father very quickly after opening the store um, and it was unexpected, um, which meant that I had to step out of the store and go back to help my mother run the, her optical practice because I was the only one who could do it to help her. So I wasn't even in the store very much um, over that period. I mean, Hannah really ran that store with Kaylee and the rest of our staff and, you know, they did the most incredible job. So I can't really take any sort of credit for the beginning period of when, you know, you need to set up a business and make it work. It, it wasn't me that did it. It was Hannah and the incredible team who made it, who made it happen. But yes, yeah, so I think that 
So in Australia, there's no protection on the costing of books. So if you go to a department store, you can get it a book much cheaper than you can get. You can you can buy a book much cheaper than we can buy it for. Um, but you know these things that make the publishing industry turn. And so you know you can't really you can't do too much about that. Just in the same way that we can't compete against Amazon or anything online or Kindle, as people you know it will tell us. All you can do is to do what you know, um, which is what I think. And that's, that's what we did. We did what we knew. And that was, you know, to have events and to curate book club and to give people an experience when they walk in chatting to us. And they knew that we knew a lot about books and we listened to people about books and we, you know, we're, we're in tune with a lot of the bloggers and the publishers. Yeah. Like, I mean. If we had a little bit more of the knowledge from that we obviously that we do now, because now we do things very differently to how we did then. Um, in the beginning, you know, we we never changed over any books. I mean, we still change over very little, um, but we we do change over some titles. But we just sort of now know what works for us, which is a big one, I think. And then you know we'll have a party in the bookstore because that's what we know how to do. Or you know we'll we'll have book club in a bar because we like drinking. And then we got our liquor license, which was always on the on the cards, but we needed to operate for a little while. And that that made a huge difference for us because we can open at night, and then when people come and they're drinking at night, they buy books. So focus on your strengths and and your point of difference, and you make that work for you because necessarily just trying to sell books to people for a very small margin and compete against. Big places that do it much better or much easier is not really going to work. Um, so you've got to do you got to do what you can. Yeah. So do you think if you were to open Australia a bookshop that wants to be very purist and says we only sell books, we do nothing else but sell books? Do you think that it's hard to make that work business wise? I think it's hard to make it work if you have no experience in booking. Um, but if you do, like, you know, I think that, that there is probably a market out there. Whoever wants to do that and they stick to their convictions and they're resilient and they go by their instinct and, you know, and they work hard at it, they'll probably mm. make it well. Yeah. I think, you know, you pick what you want to do and you go with it. And if you work hard enough and I think your idea is fairly decent and people respond to that, that's the other thing. If you have the audience, you know, if the people are going to respond and they're going to come and, you know, you can do that too. Yeah. You don't have to have, you don't have to have a liquor license, you don't have to have a cafe. Um if it doesn't but work it for you. It definitely helps. <laughs> oh, it definitely works. Yeah, exactly. Look, if I'm if I did it again, if you say go back six years, there's no way in the world I would do it without those two things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's so hard in the countries that don't have protection on on book prices because it really makes well, in a way, I think it makes independent booksellers so much more creative and work so much harder at figuring out what can they offer in terms of experience in the shop an overall experience for their customers so that they don't, when it's so easy, they don't go and buy a book somewhere else. And we've had a few booksellers on, on this podcast who have told me that people would walk into the bookshop, check out the books, have the experience. And then while they were in the shop, order the book on Amazon on their phone yeah, because, you know, it's half the price. And sadly, one of the bookshops that I interviewed that told me about that had closed in the meantime because it was just so hard to, to sell books and only books because they were quite strict about that. They didn't want to have anything but books in the shop in the country that had, you know, other places with way cheaper books because there was no protection on, on the prices. And I just think that makes it kind of, yeah, unfair, but then it also really forces you to get super creative and figure out how to compensate for that. You're doing an amazing job, it sounds like, and <laughs> you've built a place where people really want to come and stay. 
and buy books, which is great. Um, coming back to the books. So we, I know we've jumped around a bit. We talked about books you have. We talked about the business. I want to come back to the books now and ask you to recommend us some books, um, your favorites, all-time favorites, as well as the books that you really love to sell to people when they come into the shop. Yeah, sure. I mean, so my, I mean, my all-time favorite books, um, my all-time favorite book is The Great Gatsby. Uh, yeah, I love it so much. I buy it in every cover I've ever seen. The Book Thief by Marcus Uthak. I mean, Marcus is a close mate of mine, so that's a, I just, but he, um, I mean, I, I just love that so much. And, you know, I loved it before we were mates. And so I love to sell that book to as many people as that I can. Um, I love The Shadow of the Wind. Um, I love The Outsiders. As you can see behind me, you can see Stay Gold. It's on, on the wall. I've got it tattooed on my stomach. There are so many books that we just love selling people. The Secret History by Donatart. If I could just sell one book to people, that might be the one. Um, and obviously as a, as a writer as well, like, I mean, having a bookstore when you have your own book is pretty incredible. So even when, when my book came out, it's called 100 Remarkable Feats of Zandamaze. We managed just for one day, like we just had that book, it's the entire book in the store. So we converted the entire store to oh, for amazing. one day uh, to have that book, which is a really incredible thing to be able to do. That's the power of, of having your own bookshop. Do you know there's actually a bookshop in, in Japan that does that? They just sell one book. I don't know if you've heard about it. They have one book for I one have, month. Yeah. <laughs> they, they started in New York. It was a guy who started in New York many, many years ago. Um, but yeah, it's just an incredible thing to be able to do. And even just like in images and stuff, like you'll never be able to forget that. Be able to have, yeah. you know, your book for one whole day uh, in the store. So they should have done it for, for a week, for a month, you know, and enhance the experience. Yeah. <laughs> I think people would uh, would get sick of it and maybe stop coming if <laughs> I did that. It certainly is lovely to be able to continue to sell your book. And then it's also lovely when people come into the store to talk to you about your book, which is a really lovely thing as well, which has happened over the course of the last year. And then, you know, all, all the big titles that, you know, that you fall in love with. So I feel like as a bookshop, there were some titles that really defined us as a bookstore. Um, so titles like, you know, where the crawdad scene. Mm. I mean, we read very, very early. I mean, I even remember Delia Owens used to like, write to us on Instagram when we used to post it all the time. And Dave Jones and the Six, these books that are now, you know, these massive, massive like, TV series and, and worldwide phenomenons. And we read these books early on when they first came out and, you know, managed to sort of push them onto people and people loved them. And now you almost feel vindicated that they're so... Yeah. This, I know that it had anything to do with you, but just that, that you know, everybody responded that way. Yeah. Um, there's another big one in Australia called Boy Swallows Universe by Trent Dalton, which was a big one. He was one of our first events that we ever had. And that went on to sell half a million copies in Australia alone. And it's just an incredible novel. And he's gone on to write many more. Two other books as well, Love Stories being his latest one. And it's just these books that you just love and they just, you just feel like it defines the last six years that you've been here. Mm. Have you also, over the last six years, recommended books that, let's say, did not turn out to be massive success? And then you felt like, oh, maybe shouldn't push this book that much. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to say titles. This is <laughs> you know, to be honest, I don't think so. Like, just not off the top of my head. Like, it might not have been a book that was a massive seller or anything. But, like, I mean, before we were pushed a book onto anybody, we would have read it or a few of us would have read it. And so we wouldn't have really picked anything that we didn't like ourselves. Yeah. Um, so we would have been proud of it, even if it didn't do super well in terms of sales or anything. Okay. And yeah. do you feel like it's a big responsibility when you, when someone walks into your bookshop, 
not sure what to get and you recommend them a book or has it maybe worn off with with the over the years but <laughs> did you in the beginning feel a bit nervous like oh my god i hope they like this book what if they don't like it uh, maybe it's times, but i mean i i still think you know we'll back it we'll always back it and there's a number of us that's things and i mean one of my favorite stories or not even stories but just uh maybe anecdotes that came out of the book so is so, uh kaylee who i mentioned before who's manager she only left in november she had a baby and she's even here more with her baby than when she worked here but her husband sammy who's one of our close mates and he's just an absolute legend and he told us that he, ha- he hadn't read a book since high school and um, he works in the steelworks um it's not far from here but ever since we opened the bookstore he started reading and started reading a lot and always reading the titles that, you know, we were sort of recommending it first. And then he just sort of went off, you know, like, and he's just, he, he's now the biggest reader of all of us. And we look to Sammy oh, always as like, as the person. And so if he's in the store when anyone's here, we always just recommend it over to him. And we're like, please let's say, because he, he doesn't have any preconceptions or anything of a book. He'll just take it on his own. You know, he'll like some and he won't like others, but there's no genre or anything like that. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so I just find he's the greatest sort of like a standard of, of you know, someone who didn't read a lot before and now outreads all of us. And it's just incredible to see and it's incredible to watch him selling books to people. And you know what? The great thing about the store, this is one of the things that I would strongly recommend in any sort of environment that you create that could be a sort of a cafe environment or a social environment more than just an individual thing that so many times customers will sell books to other customers. Yes. So people will be sitting here having a cup of coffee or something and they'll be maybe just looking over, someone will be looking and someone will pick something up and they might just jump in and say, oh, I read that, like I really love that or they'll just start conversations that way, which is a really cool thing to see and we absolutely love that. So I wouldn't say that we feel too much pressure in terms of um, recommending something. Yeah, yeah, or nervousness around it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, of course, we do hope that they'll like it. Yeah, of course. I think you should have Sammy's photo on the wall behind you. I think he should be there. That's it. That's a very good idea. I should have Sammy's photo on the wall. People ask you, who's this famous person? Well, here's exactly, a story. Exactly, and I'll be telling you to listen to this podcast after as well. <laughs> exactly, to hear the story, full story of Sammy. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's cool that you don't feel nervous about recommending books. I was thinking as, I hope one day I'll open this bookshop, but as I'm now just dreaming about it over and over again, um, I was thinking about that, like, how does that feel to, to tell someone, here, you should read this book, it's great. And then they walk out with a book and you're kind of like, oh man, I really, like, they're going to spend hours on this book. I hope they like it. Like, I hope they don't like hate me for it. And now um, in the mornings, I work from our public library, which is yeah, very close by to my house. And one day someone walked in looking for a book and the librarian wasn't there. So I was like, this is my opportunity to practice. And so with this, and she's like, oh, I haven't read in a really long time and I'd like a novel and I like love stories. So I recommended a Sally Rooney book. And after she left, I was like, oh, what if she hates Sally Rooney? Like, some people hate Sally Rooney. And I thought about it all day. Which one was it? It was Normal People. And nice. so I think that's good. I liked it a lot. But then, you know, after she left, oh, I don't know. Now I'm nervous about it. So now I'm waiting for her to come back to return the book. Let's <laughs> see. see what well, she says. Well, um... I can tell you that Sammy loved normal people. So I think That's it's a good, good. It's a good yeah. <laughs> Sammy endorsed. Yeah. It's Sammy endorsed. Yeah. That's perfect. Well, I'm very yeah. glad that uh, that I know that now I can relax a little bit about it too. And I think in the end, you know, books can be so 
controversial. Not everybody's going to like the same book, which is fine. But as long as you believe in it and you're recommending something that you love, you stay true to what you think. That's good enough and people can, can appreciate it. I often think that we learn more about books that we don't necessarily like than books that we do. Mm. Um, because we question them more, we, we start to think, why why is it that I'm not connecting with this or something? And I guess maybe that's more of an analytical sense, maybe as a writer or as a, as a bookseller. Um, but I definitely think that we think about things more, why we're not enjoying it or why we want to put it down rather than a book that we just think, wow, I just love this. Like, I love everything about it and how they're writing it and the story. So, yes, yeah, so I think um, maybe maybe a reader will think that too. Yeah. And I guess maybe it also depends when you read something, right? Like sometimes you might need books that make you really happy, that are light and fun. And other times you might find that same book really boring because you're more in a space where you'd like to read something a little deeper, a little darker, maybe whatever it may be. So definitely there's no one fits all situation. I want to ask you as we, as we come close to the end of our conversation, something that came up on the previous interview I did for, for Got Books with a bookseller from India. And we got to this question, which I thought, oh, it's a question I'm going to keep and ask all the booksellers from now on. If you think about the world as it is now, there's a lot of conflict, there's a lot of problems, we're post-pandemic, and in general, it's a very, yeah, it's a bit of a crazy world that we live in now. If you had the power as a bookseller to have everyone in the world read one book, and you thought if they all read it, this will make the world a slightly better place, what would that book be? Oh this is a gosh. hard question. <laughs> I just kept it for the end, you know, I kept everything nice and light, and I thought I'm going to just throw this harder question at the end. Inside, I would just love to jump out and say, you know, Donna Tarr, uh, but I, I don't necessarily think that maybe that's uh, I mean, the right. Yeah. Um, if it was everyone reading a book, I'd have to say my own book because of the sales of an entire oh. world reading book. Um, but maybe look, clever I mean, marketing I, right there. Absolutely, yeah. Look, I mean, I, I would still go back. To, I think to the book thief. I think that would be the book um, that I, that I would like everybody to read. What do you think? that book would do to the world if they all, if we all read it collectively. I, I just think that it makes you feel a sense of hope in hopelessness. And um, it's just, it's just so beautiful. I, I don't know how to say anything more without ruining anything in the book. But I think it, it's just so human. Well, I think that's a nice, nice sentiment to, to end on. Well, thank you very much for uh, our conversation. I had a great time. I have never been to Australia, but if I come, I'll definitely come visit and see your shop. You're tiny, but uh, sounds like a very fun shop. So thanks. Please do. Come to a party. <laughs> I'll definitely come to a party. I'll bring my daughter. She's really into music, so she likes that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we are different. <laughs> thank you very much, Clay. Thank you for tuning in today for my conversation with Clay. I'll see you next time for another conversation with another bookseller and hopefully with a book recommendation project ready by then. Until next time, sit back, relax, and enjoy a good book.